0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your barricaded of a host, Gary, here to entertain you and inform you about the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries with my lovely wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hi, Gary. How are you today? Pretty good.
1: And you're barricaded?
0: It'll all tie into the story. Uh, I thought it was something I did. Not lately, Generally, there is no running or escaping. That's correct. And, just like that, there's no escaping our humor of the week. Oh, God. I've tried. So, Goldie Ann, how does Bigfoot tell time? Um, by his big watch? Close, but not quite. He has a
1: Sasquatch. Oh, God. That was pretty good. Okay, I admit, that one was pretty good. Well, thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Happy to announce that we are branching out this week with a new video channel. Brand new adventures will be a different aspect of our lives, covering the places to see and the things to do within Central Florida and beyond. So, it's not quite a podcast, but actually a video channel. Nice. The first episode is expected to be uploaded on Tuesday, and then will be weekly after that. Our first episode will give the highlights of SeaWorld's Discovery Cove located in Orlando, Florida. Love it. So we'll try and give you some of the sights and sounds of Florida and beyond. We hope to show all of the amazing adventures that the world has to offer now that we're slowly coming out of quarantine. So be sure to check out Brand New Adventures channel on YouTube, which you can find using a link to the show notes starting Tuesday. I think that's great. We have a lot of fun. We should share it. And this will be a more visual because we want to show more than just tell. But, speaking of adventures, we are also getting ready for the upcoming Southwest Florida Skunk Ape Conference, which is being held on Saturday, June 4th from 9 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. What's neat is that this might even be our first crossover episode with the Brand New Adventures. That's awesome. Where's this conference held? The conference is going to be in Punta Garda, and I'll have all the details in a link that, in our show notes, uh, which will also give you the opportunity to purchase tickets. Cool. This is going to be your chance to meet some of the foremost researchers of the Florida Skunk Ape, to include Dave Shealy, RPG, Stacy Brown, Connor Flynn, and Marie Dumont. You haven't met State,
1: uh, Dave Sheely yet.
0: We've talked to him on our podcast, but, yeah, this will be our first chance to meet him in person. Yeah, And, cool. yeah, both Goldie Ann and I will also be there. We're planning on wearing our Within the Mist t-shirt so that you'll be able to identify us. So if you see us there, come up and say hi. Let us know what you think of the show, if you have any suggestions, or so we can get pictures to prove that people do listen to us. <laughs> Now, for today's episode contains stories about violence between men and unidentified creatures, so please be forewarned. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. So now, if you're ready, let's take a walk within the mist. During the 1920s was a time of opportunity for men looking to make it rich. This was a period in which men would venture out into the wilderness looking for gold. However, for five men, they would discover almost more than they bargained for when they would encounter what they called mountain devils and had to survive the assault on Ape Canyon. Cool. Is this something that you've ever heard of?
1: No, I haven't, other than talking to you about it. (laughs) well, I talk a lot, so yes, there's a lot of chances that
0: you've heard this from me. Yes, that's a good thing. Chapter 1, Prospecting. With a plan to strike it rich, five men took to the woods of Mount St. Helens near the Lewis River area of southwest Washington during the summer of 1924. They had worked a location on the eastern slope of the mountain and had constructed a log cabin from the local pine trees to provide a place to eat, rest, and protection from the elements during the night. These men would spend weeks in this cabin working back and forth within the mines in order to try and strike it rich.
1: Right.
0: The names of these hardy individuals were Fred Beck, Gabe Lafleur, John Peterson, Marion Smith, and smith's son roy in fact it was fred beck who would later write about the experiences that provided much of the information for today's episode so i'm kind of getting this from the horse's mouth awesome together the five men constructed the cabin and hauled the mining equipment up the mountain to the gorge from their car that they had left behind the cabin was crude but sturdy Pine logs had been cut and linked together with chinking to seal the openings. Awesome. At one end of the cabin was a fireplace made from the rocks that they had found, and it had no windows. So this created a complete darkness if they had no fires or lanterns inside of the cabin.
1: Oh, that doesn't sound fun.
0: The door to the cabin was sturdy and had the ability to be locked to keep wildlife out should they decide it to be necessary. Also... Each man brought a hunting rifle, and some of the men also carried a pistol for protection. The region was known for having many bears in the area. The cabin was near Spirit Lake, and it provided the water they depended on. However, as they made their way back and forth from the mine, the springs, and the cabin, they started to notice strange large tracks. The prints were not of any bear or other animal that the men were aware of within the woods before. The tracks seemed to resemble human footprints except for their immense size, which some of the largest exceeded 19 inches long. Whatever had left them seemed to have only four toes, short and stubby. (laughs) The miners had attempted to inform the nearby ranger station about the tracks, The rangers there, however, seemed as much clueless as to what could have created them as the men were. Their only advice was to let them know if the men discovered what it was leaving the prince. Oh, that's nice. Not a of confidence. In fact, this left the miners even more puzzled than before. One of the men, who Fred Beck's book gave the pseudonym of Hank, was an accomplished hunter and experienced woodsman. Fred wrote in his book that he was keeping the name secret out of respect for the other miners. So, if I use Hank, it is not identified which of the other four men this person is.
1: Okay.
0: Now, Hank became a little apprehensive after the discovery of the tracks. However, the discovery never developed any further and the miners were too busy working on their mine which was becoming very successful this would continue through the weeks of the spring and into the summer and soon all of the men forgot about it
1: so would you say that everyone except Hank had a one-track mine oh (laughs) i thought I was in charge of the bad jokes i'm sorry
0: The pain, the pain.
1: I get points for that one. Okay. <laughs> the points you have. that <laughs> totally threw you off your track. <laughs> Ooh, multiple puns.
0: We're trying to get back on track.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: By the middle of July of 1924, the men's discovery was developing nicely, and the men's spirit was high as they dreamed of their riches. In fact, the work was going so well that even when Fred developed a toothache, the men could not be motivated to give up the campsite. He had asked them to take him back to the car so that he could get to a dentist to treat his ailing tooth. Hank replied that neither God nor the devil could get him away from there. Exactly. The others all agreed, and so Fred remained at the cabin with a nagging toothache. That's helped and very greedy the footprints had been forgotten but as the summer heat increased they began to hear noises in the evening to include a shrill peculiar whistling the sound would begin just as the sun was setting each evening over the men's meal of beans and hotcakes the screams would come from one ridge of the canyon to be answered a short time later with a whistle from another ridge. The men didn't understand what was going on, and the constant and unexplained sounds began to work against the nerves of the five men each night. The worst was the noise that could be best described as a booming, thumping sound that resembled something hitting itself on its chest with a great force. Yet, again, nothing ever came from the sounds, and the men would try to ignore them to continue with their work. That would all change. Chapter 2, Fetching Water It was finally July, and everything was still uneventful, even if there seemed to be tension in the air. Fred and Hank decided to journey to the nearby spring, which was located about a 100 yards from the cabin, in order to get some water. The men were armed with their hunting rifles due to the underlying concerns of the noises during the nights and the discovery of more footprints. It seemed that the nervous miners were constantly armed and looking over their shoulders for unseen dangers. Just as the two reached the edge of the spring, Fred knelt down to resupply their water. His focus was on his task... But Hank's screams behind him caused him to drop the water canisters and turn to his friend. Hank's back was to him, and his rifle was raised. Following the line of sight of Hank's hunting rifle, Fred saw something beyond belief. A hundred yards away from the miners was a large, hairy creature on the other side of the canyon. It was poised beside a pine tree, attempting to hide itself in the shadows. It was spotted a moment later peering its head out from the side, which startled Hank to the point that he fired on the creature. Tree bark shattered, and Hank fired another two shots at the creature, cowering behind its protection. Each time, the tree took the hit, leaving the seven-foot-tall creature unharmed. Now, the description given to the Oregonian newspaper of the creature... Stated that it was seven feet tall with long black hair. Its ears were about four inches long and stood straight up. Most descriptions of the creature usually compare it to a gorilla or an ape man, but I wonder
1: they say some kind of cuddly. It's
0: like Cuddly? Well
1: ears that long that's cuddly.
0: Well, ears that long and of the size, long hair, and the addition of the ears tends to describe a dogman creature as well. See? Cuddly. Not a puppy. A dogman. For those who may not know, a dogman is usually sighted in Michigan. These creatures are described as being seven feet tall and werewolf-like in appearance because they stand on their hind legs. Awesome. Regardless of whether this creature was an ape or a wolf, or even possibly a skinwalker, as many of the Native American tribes in the area were not happy with the miners desecrating Mount St. Helens. Skinwalkers are Indian mystics with the abilities to take the shape of animals. So, these men could be either be facing Sasquatch, Dogmen, or skinwalkers. Well, wow. regardless. Fred Beck was now standing with his own rifle raised. He took aim and fired.
1: The creature reacted to the sting of the bullet, but it was not enough. See, I like how these people always go after these animals with guns, but it's like, what did they do to you? In this case, nothing. Yeah. It was just looking In at them cases, from behind a tree. It was like, wait till it attacks or something.
0: Fred didn't wait. In fact, he fired twice more, striking the creature each time. The three bullet strikes were enough to cause the hairy, human-ape-like creature to topple over the edge of the cliff and down into the gorge 400 feet below. So it was Fred and Hank who drew first blood. (laughs) The two were shaken, but quickly gathered up the water they had originally traveled out from the cabin for, and returned watching every tree for a beast to jump out from behind each one. They wouldn't desert it. Well, once back of the cabin, the two men quickly told their story to the other members. The terror in their voices was enough to convince each of them that they needed to head homeward on the next morning. Any attempt to reach their car outside of the woods any earlier would have resulted in them traveling during the dark none of the men felt brave enough for an encounter with such a creature in the dark this even included hank who had been the staunchest supporter for remaining before the event so even if it wasn't god or the devil mountain devils was enough to convince him to leave their mining site <laughs> They felt that the pine log cabin that they had constructed and had been living in for the past few months would be sturdy enough to provide protection against any type of beast that was roaming in the woods during the night. I feel a butt coming on. Even Fred had forgotten about the pain of his tooth. So the men all gathered inside, puffing on their pipes and talking about the trip out of the wilderness and back home. Eventually, the adrenaline of the day had worn off. And everyone felt safe. In fact, the five men found themselves fast asleep in their crude, but welcome to beds. And now for what? <laughs> I knew it was coming. Well, chapter three: the nighttime attack. Cool. I mean, yeah, you know, whatever. I know. We you know who you're cheering for. <laughs> you're always cheering for the monster, of course. It was about midnight when a sudden noise awakened everyone from their deep slumber. Hank, who had been sleeping on the floor, was yelling and kicking, but it was not his screams that had caused the disturbance and broken their nightly rest. It was the repeated tremendous thuds against the cabin walls. It was obvious that something very large and powerful was running and throwing its entire body against the outer walls of the cabin. The blows were so forceful that the walls shook, and some of the ceiling had been knocked loose from above and had fallen on Hank's chest, causing his startled screams. That would do it. (laughs) More thuds were heard and felt on the other walls. Whatever was striking the cabin was attacking from all sides. There was only a minimal of light, as the lanterns had all begun to burn low from the fuel. Hank's silhouetted form could be seen with his rifle in hand. He waved it back and forth in the direction of each thud, expecting the beast to burst through at any moment. Fred came to his friend's side, knocking some of the sealing material from him. Together, they heard a great commotion outside. It sounded like a great number of feet trampling and rattling over the piles of foliage. Fred grabbed his rifle as Hank peered through the opening created by the loosening of the chinking between the logs. Outside, under the moonlight, he was able to see three creatures together, but the rest of the men swore that it sounded as though there were many more of them surrounding the cabin. Just as the men were all huddled together in the middle of the cabin, with their backs together in order to guard each direction of the walls of their cabin, That is when the real attack began. What? Rocks, like the ones the miners had utilized in the construction of the fireplace, were heard being thrown with incredible force at the cabin. These boulders had to be almost the size of the men themselves and would strike the pine walls with an earth-shattering bang. Others landed on the roof to send debris raining down on them. A few of the rocks even seemed to be dropped down through the chimney of the fireplace. It was obvious that the mountain devils were now atop of the roof. Many accounts through the years have reported that the rocks eventually damaged the roof to the point that a hole opened up to expose the men. This enabled the ape men to drop some of the even larger stones directly from the opening in the roof and onto the miners. One was said to even struck Fred and rendered him unconscious, although his version of the assault denies that this ever happened. (laughs) Each man would fire at the shadows through the small openings of the walls that formed from the constant bombardment against their cabin. Silhouettes seemed to appear and disappear all around them. The pine logs that made up their walls held firm, but were starting to show weaknesses. The men felt that at any time, the walls would crumble and expose them to the monsters. The gunfire seemed to be enough to quiet down the attacks for a few minutes. The calm would cause the men to cease firing. With a few minutes of calm, they created a plan that they would only fire when they were under the attack. They hoped that the creatures were smart enough and might realize that the men were only defending themselves and this would cause them to leave.
1: Yeah, like in the woods? Sure. Just pay back time, bitches.
0: We'll be back after a quick break. Greetings from Film the World Podcast. I'm your host, Trick O'More. I would like to extend an invitation for y'all to come check out our podcast. We take a look at book reviews, one a week, movies, music, pop culture, and UAP. Our hottest download is Dreamland from George Knapp's Bob Lazar Saga. Thanks for checking out Film the World Podcast. Wow despite the payback bitches. (laughs) They had this new plan and they only fired when they detected the creatures as they made their way up on top of the roof. They had to brace the huge log door with a long pole taken from the bunk bed. This was done just in time as the creatures had discovered the door and were now pushing against it. The entire cabin door vibrated from the impact causing the men to respond with more gunfire. Fred and Hank moved through the cabin to monitor the activity outside of the cabin. They checked each wall to ensure that they were still intact and continued to offer protection from more onslaught. For now, everything seemed to protect them, but it was unknown how much longer they could last. The remainder of the men focused on the door and the rooftop. Everyone was in a form of shock as the incredulous attack continued for the remainder of the night. For hours, the men had to stop the creature's advancement. There were only short intervals of quiet that would offer any solace. At one point, one of the creatures was against the wall of the cabin and discovered enough of the chinking to have broken that it enabled it to slip one hairy arm through a hole and into the cabin. This long arm grasped with its long fingers at anything it could get a hold of. It was able to seize one of the long axes that was used to cutting wood by its handle. Fred raced to the opening to prevent the theft of the axe and was able to turn the head in a position to prevent it from fitting out of the opening. The creature held on and Hank fired at the opening with a hairy arm. The shot barely missed Fred's own arm, but was sufficient to frighten the creature into letting go and removing its arm from the cabin. Now, from everything that I have been reading, mm-hmm. Hank is a horrible shot. <laughs> it's like a stormtrooper. Well, he went—he was the first one to fire on the ape man and missed. Right. And now he's firing at the ape-men and almost shoots Fred.
1: Yeah, well, Fred was right there at the opening. And it sounds like it was pretty small.
0: Well, so, you know, I'm a little thinking...
1: Well, I would give credit, but I'm thinking
0: Hank needs to uh, turn in his rifle.
1: Well, definitely.
0: The nightmarish experience was beginning to grow so tense that Hank started to sing out to the creatures outside. In a melodic and somewhat terrified voice, he called out that, If you leave us alone, we'll leave you alone, and we'll all go home in the morning. Nice. It would be remembered as humorous to the miners later, but at the time, it was a serious attempt by Hank during the night, as their ammunition was beginning to grow desperately low. He sang under the impression that the mountain devils, as he called
1: them, might understand his singing and go away. Well, Hank was the one that was most convinced of them, so maybe he'd know something.
0: He was the most concerned of them, he agreed. And this would continue throughout the night, until Chapter 4, Morning, finally comes. The final attack ended just before daylight. With the morning sun came the opportunity for the men to step cautiously outside of the cabin. Immediately, Fred saw one of the ape-like creatures standing 80 yards away near the edge of the canyon. Then... It disappeared. The men all agreed that this might be their only opportunity to get out of there with their lives. Utilizing the logic that it was better to escape with their lives, they did not bother to pack their supplies or their mining equipment. They only took what they could carry in their pack sacks. This left 200 pounds of supplies to include gunpowder and drilling equipment. The men hurried and soon reached their car, which seemed to be untouched by whatever creatures had assaulted their cabin. They quickly got in the car and made their way back down from the canyon and to the ranger station. Initially, the five men agreed not to relate the happenings to anyone. Hank, however, went into the ranger station and immediately informed them about the entire day's events. Again, He was met with skepticism and disbelief. It was the ranger's opinion that what they had seen was a gang of local youths that were bombarding the cabin with rocks, as he felt youths were wont to do. To him, everything was a prank, and thanks to the acoustics of the canyon, it was possible that the boys' voices were made to seem beastly, or even extra-dimensional. Eventually, the men were all returned home and the story leaked out to the newspapers. The fascination of the public to the events that occurred prompted what would be called the Great Hairy Ape Hunt of 1924. Men armed with large guns were soon traipsing throughout the region looking for the mountain devils as they were being called. Even a big game hunter from England came to the men asking questions about their experience he had brought an elephant gun with a desire to bring back an ape-man trophy. Of course he did. Of all the people roaming every inch what is now called Ape Canyon, no signs of the actual beast were found. The only evidence left behind were the large footprints. Fred Beck even traveled with a pair of reporters and a detective to the location to see if any remains of the ape-man he had killed remained at the bottom of the gorge. No body or bones were located, as though the surviving creatures had retrieved their fallen friend. The encounter at Ape Canyon would not be the last sighting of hairy ape-like creatures in the region, yet the assault would remain the most prominent legend of these creatures. Mount St. Helens would go on to host further legends of large hairy ape-like creatures, to include the bat squatch, a flying ape-like humanoid that started making appearances after the eruption of the mountain in the 1980s. That
1: was interesting.
0: And it's tad bit terrifying. Yeah. So it's kind of more of the horror version of a Bigfoot encounter. Right. And in fact, I was surprised that there really weren't many movies about this incident. There are a lot of Bigfoot monsters, horror movies, But as far as popular culture, the only one that only things that I could really find were books about the incident. Right. As I mentioned, one of the miners, Fred Beck, wrote a pamphlet detailing his experience and opinions about what he saw. I'm going to post a link to an online transcript of the document because it's not very long. So if you enjoy reading it firsthand, this would be your chance. One of the most interesting parts of his book was that his inclusion that the sightings of the creatures may be tied to clairvoyance. This is one of the first documentations that I saw that touches on the aspect that Sasquatch creatures may be spiritual.
1: Which we hear a lot about nowadays.
0: Exactly. So for something that occurred in the 1920s, it's kind of interesting to feel that Fred felt the same way. Right. As far as final opinions, did the men encounter mountain devils? Ape men? skinwalkers, or possibly even dogman creatures.
1: I, I don't know. I mean, it's very convincing because, I mean, that was such a in-depth type story with a lot of, you know, details. You know, it's not always you get the details. You just get a roundabout story and hearsay. But, you know, this has got you know great details. Yes. Fred uh, was very
0: detailed in wanted to make sure that he got his version of the story out there because there are some variations that the newspapers would create. And I kind of had to blend between the two to try and get the full story.
1: I wonder why Hank didn't go on to write anything. Uh, <clears throat> again,
0: uh, Hank, we don't even know which one of the people was Hank. True. He may not have been a writer, and he may actually have just wanted to put this whole thing behind him. Because, remember, he seemed the most freaked out about the whole thing. Right. Well. What also is interesting is that there are hikers that can still travel through uh, this area of Ape Canyon. Although the cabin has long burned down and is gone, you can still travel to the areas of the Spirit Lake, uh, the springs, and so forth. So you can still be in that area where they had this encounter in the 1920s. That's
1: awesome.
0: Well, being sure to check the walls of our cabin here, (laughs) I think it's a good time to make our way back out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. Special thanks to David Fisilian and Fisilian Studios for the introduction music. We would like to ask you to please leave us a review on the podcast provider you are listening to this on to help promote our show. We are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about encounters with creatures of, and ghosts or other mysteries of your own. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Miz Podcast. We are also on Instagram and Twitter, plus, we have an email at Within the Miz Podcast at gmail.com. This is for any of you who would like to share your stories. We would love to hear about your personal experiences.
1: For those of you who may need a daily dose of
0: cryptids and ghosts, we have a TikTok channel which gives a few-minute clips about a story involving some of your favorites and some unknown creatures and spirits. We hope you enjoyed our stories about the assault on Ape Canyon, and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, remain constantly curious.
1: Goodbye, everyone. Bye, see you next time.